I'm Carol Garrett with the Garrett Ranch in Burnett, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. Great to be back with you again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, sorghum is looking okay statewide. When you look at the crop ratings, it doesn't look great, but it's not all bad either. However, when you look at central Texas, the sorghum crop there is looking really good this year. We'll check in with pioneer agronomist Ron Joyner to get his update on how the sorghum crop is looking in central Texas. We'll have that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We talked about direct beef sales from a rancher's perspective last time. But what's the attraction for the consumer? I'm James Hunt and we'll discuss that on Texas Ag Today. Rural city official interacts with urban city food bloggers on a farm tour about the importance of agricultural production. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have the story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. When you look at the statewide condition of the Texas sorghum crop this year, things don't look all that great. In this week's Crop Progress and Condition Report, only 16% of the sorghum is rated good to excellent, with 45% rated fair and 39% rated poor to very poor. But some of that good to excellent sorghum is currently growing in central Texas. Pioneer field agronomist Ron Joyner works a territory from Waco down to New Braunfels and over to College Station. He says he's seeing some great-looking sorghum in that part of the state. Really, the sorghum probably uh, looks as good as it ever has. It's interesting, that crop, uh, it has a much more extensive root system than corn plants. And when it goes through some uh, stress and dry weather, it seems to be less affected. And it really enjoys the heat. And we've had both of those things pretty readily. So it looks really good at this point. You know, I'm hoping that uh, we do get some more moisture uh, to help it finish because it makes a lot of difference, you know, right here during grain fill and head exertion, if we can get that going. So it but overall, I'd say it's uh, it's probably looking to have a really good sorghum year. Things don't look nearly that good out in West Texas. Tom Joyner farms north of Lubbock, and he says the drought has taken its toll on newly planted crops despite the recent rains. It's certainly not the stands that we had, uh, you know, we envisioned when we when we put the seed in the boxes and the hoppers and start. Uh, uh, you know, our stands are are a lot thinner than what we uh, you know what we anticipate and hope for, but you know. Considering the year that what we started with, uh, you know, there there stands that we're going to leave, and and uh, you know, I think we can we can live with. Joiner says crops in his area are struggling to get out of the ground right now. I would think West Texas is probably 
50 percent of the crops are probably not up and you know probably the dry land acres in west texas are are, are certainly not up and i don't know if some places are going to have enough moisture to to get them up right now and this triple digit heat that's coming up in the forecast will not help that situation much at all Texas livestock producers should not expect to see an early outbreak of armyworms in their pastures this year. That's according to Texas A&M State Integrated Pest Management Specialist David Kearns. He says recent weather has not created conditions for the early migration of the armyworms like we saw last year. Populations typically build following large rain events and cooler weather. But Kearns says there is no indication that armyworm populations are building in southern areas of Texas following recent weather systems that dropped temperatures and brought rain. More consumers are buying beef direct from Texas ranchers. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. In our previous report, we talked about the growing popularity of direct beef sales. Essentially, it's ranchers going beyond simply raising cattle to sell and instead selling their own beef straight to consumers. It's a strategy that appears to offer the potential of greater profits per pound than what ranchers make in a standard cattle transaction. Now, when it comes to the customers buying beef directly from ranchers, what do they want? Well, it might be they want grass-fed only or all-natural product, but AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says much of the time consumers just want to buy beef that was produced close to home. We've got folks out there who are buying conventionally raised beef with no labeling, added whatsoever. They just want to buy from someone that they know, a ranch that they can essentially could go visit and not the idea of, I don't know where that animal came from. And I want to be clear, I'm an advocate for our conventional beef production system, but the consumer desire is increasingly looking for, I want to know where my food came from. And buying directly from the rancher, the perception is that it is much easier to follow that trace back. Want to know more about getting into direct beef sales? Here's a reminder about that free AgriLife course on June 20th in Amarillo. Dr. Benavidez says they'll cover everything from marketing and budgeting to laws and regulations, and you can hear from people who are actually doing it. We're going to have producers who are doing this right now mm-hmm. in a variety of different setups, talking to us about what challenges they've faced, how they've overcome those challenges, what their best management practices are. The course is free, but registration is required. Contact the Extension Service for more details. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas corn producers held a field-to-fork event near Houston recently to help educate consumers about the corn industry. Tom Nicoletti was there. A tour of agriculture was recently held in Wharton County near the Texas coast, and on that tour to gain more insight on food and fiber production was Chris Barbie. He is the mayor of El Campo. Chris, why is it important for you to be here as a city official? I received an invitation, and I felt that as the mayor of El Campo, the largest city in Wharton County, and with as important as agriculture is to Wharton County, I felt I should represent my city and my county at this event. At this event, a number of people from the urban centers of Texas, San Antonio, Houston, and Austin, social media bloggers, food bloggers, uh, those people who are getting the message out about agriculture, learning more about it, what has been your interaction with them? We're more interested in having water for our crops because without agriculture in Wharton County, I don't know what we would do. I wish everyone 
no matter what size city you live in, could come on a field tour of our farmland. It's very interesting. I used to cover agriculture for our local newspaper. I haven't done that in about 12 years. And it's amazing how advanced agriculture has become just in the last 12 years. So as a city official moving forward, how can this be advantageous to you in running the city of El Campo? Agriculture, it's the fiber that, that binds us all together in this county. A lot of our residents are involved with, in agriculture, whether they're farmers, maybe they're working at the co-ops, they're working at the feed store, maybe they're down at the auction barn. Agriculture is so important to rural cities like El Campo. We rely on agriculture. I, I just can't emphasize how important it is. That is Chris Barbie. He is mayor of El Campo. Tom also spoke with an influential food blogger at the event. My guest today is Rachel Thornton. She is uh, with Austin Foodstyle. And Rachel, uh, what uh, does Austin Foodstyle do? So we are a food and lifestyle blog based in Austin. We primarily cover restaurants, but really all things food and all things Austin. You recently went down to look at agriculture in southeast Texas uh, and talked to farmers and uh, other agricultural producers. Uh, Why is this important for you to do this? And I think if you're really going to cover food in your city and, you know, we're in a big city like Austin, it's great to come down and really see the heart that goes into all of the production here. It's such a human connection and a lot of hard work. So really until I was able to come down to these farms and I've been to one of these events actually four years ago. So continuing to educate myself on the agriculture of Texas has been really great way to appreciate the food that I'm eating every day in Austin, whether it be food we get from the grocery store or food we get from our local restaurants. And certainly the population of Austin is far removed from agriculture, but obviously you as a social media blogger uh, can uh, reach out beyond Austin, but still uh, it's important for uh, urban uh, residents to know where their food and fiber come from. Absolutely. And you do see more and more in restaurants trying to kind of call themselves farm to table, which is interesting. A lot of people haven't been down here and seen what farm really means. So I feel like that's becoming more important as we take this focus to farm to table. It's a great thing in the sense that it does support local agriculture, but it's also, you know, we really need to educate ourselves and take that time to learn. That is Rachel Thornton with Austin Foodstar. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out to sign up for the conservation option in the Managed Lands Deer Program. Jessica Domel has more on that coming up in today's Wildlife Report. Plus, a recent study at Kansas State shows that feeding hemp to cattle could reduce stress. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at that study coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A recent study at Kansas State University shows that feeding hemp to cattle could reduce stress. 
Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at the study. And the study led by Dr. Mike Kleinheins found that feeding hemp caused cattle to lie down more and reduce their stress. The study fed 16 Holstein heifers over a two-week period, and half of the heifers were fed the traditional ration and half were fed industrial hemp. Drovers.com indicates industrial hemp is of the cannabis variety and contains CBD with lower levels of the psychoactive component THC. Industrial hemp can be included in cattle rations since it has a favorable crude protein and digestibility profile. Over the two weeks, the researchers tracked cattle movement and monitored blood levels of biomarkers of stress. The hemp-fed cattle spent more time lying down and had lower levels of inflammation and stress hormones present in the blood. The hemp was readily absorbed through the rumen of the cattle and did not accumulate in the animal system. The researchers are suggesting that feeding hemp during times of stress, such as weaning or transport, may be helpful in reducing stress-related respiratory issues and infections. Much like ethanol production and distiller grain byproducts, CBD oil is extracted from the hemp seeds and flowers and produces a large amount of plant material as waste, and this waste could be fed to livestock. Further studies will be required to determine when the animal can last be fed hemp as far as withdrawal times and when the cattle can enter the food chain and the meat not contain CBD, as well as potential effects of the meat product. At this time, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has not approved industrial hemp to be fed to livestock or pets. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out to sign up for the conservation option in the Managed Lands Deer Program. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Texas landowners have just a few more days to sign up for the Managed Lands Deer Program's conservation option. The conservation option offers landowners the opportunity to work with a biologist from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to receive customized land-specific habitat and deer harvest recommendations and MLDP tag issuance to hunt white-tailed or mule deer. Alan Kane, TPWD's Whitetail Deer Program leader, joins us with more. The Managed Lands Deer Program is a program that the Department of Wildlife has developed a long time ago, but it's intended really to get landowners to kind of foster and support good wildlife management, good stewardship of our wildlife resources and habitats on private lands. It's kind of a habitat-driven program, but a big part of that program is deer or deer harvest. And so the department recognizes that deer harvest is an important aspect of habitat conservation. And so, you know, one way to encourage landowners to do good habitat conservation through deer harvest. And so the program offers a couple of options for landowners to take advantage of an extended season and property-specific customized harvest recommendations. The conservation option does require the reporting of certain types of deer data, as well as completion of certain habitat management practices each year. The deadline to enroll is June 15th. Cost for a standalone property is $300 for the first management unit and $30 for each additional management unit. The cost for an aggregate site is $300. To enroll, search MLDP on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. That is tpwd.texas.gov. Again, that is Managed Lands Deer Program. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We had a pretty good week in the cattle futures market. However, things did close on a lower note on Friday. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. 
This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a pretty good week for the cattle futures market. We ended up with gains for the week in both live and feeder cattle. However, both of those finishing lower on Friday, June live cattle down 85 cents to end the week at 136.20. August live cattle down a dollar, same price, 136.20. October live cattle down 67 to finish at 141.97. August feeder cattle dropped a dollar 55 on Friday, 174.47. September feeders down a dollar 32 at 176.05. October feeder cattle down a dollar 15 at 177.55. Cash-fed cattle market looked good at the end of the week. Earlier in the week, we saw cattle sell here in the south at 136. However, on Friday, we added a dollar to that. We saw sales at 137. So that made a two-buck higher gain for the week with those 137 sales on Friday. Boxed beef prices mixed Friday. Choice up 94 cents at 272.04. Select down 18 249.73. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear a old Camp Cook Hob Sing service a first glass of iced tea here at the kitchen table, it's time for our meal and a visit with Chris Carter from Carnes County Livestock Exchange down Kennedy Way. Chris, we always begin by thanking the folks that do business with us, don't we? You got it, Larry. We do want to thank all of you for all your consignments. Last week, we ended up with 966 head of cattle, and the market was stronger compared to the previous week. Walk the pins for us. Number one steers, two to three weight, 164 to 198. Three and four is 164 to 198. Four and five weights, 161 up to 195. Five and six is 152 to 184. Six and seven is 144 to 168. And the seven, eight weights, eight weights 138 to 147. <clears throat> On the heifers, two to three weight, 145 to 173. Three and four is one. 154 to 180. Four and five weights, 153 to 185. Five and six is 142 to 172. Six and seven is 133 to 170. And the seven and eight weights, 114 to 134. We had 13 packer bulls last week. Uh, high yielding was 97 up to a dollar two. Medium, 88 to 92. 148 packer cows. Uh, high yielding was 75 up to 83 and a half. Medium, 53 to 62. And the low end, 40 to 45. We did not have a test on bred cows last week. We had two pair and they brought 1,200 up to 1,350. What do you have for this week? sale at the present time we've got 620 head checked in and looking for about 850 come sale time in our count today right now we've got 78 packer cows and bulls 26 to be palpated 13 pair and the rest are yearlings tell everybody how to get a hold of you chris 
If you've got any questions, please call Wen and Rouse at 361-542-0810 or myself at 210-286-5345. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good sale. Yes, sir. Thank you. Take care. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it together every Monday through Friday. And guess what, neighbor? We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher Friday. June hogs up 82 cents, 107.80. July hogs up 47 at 105.47. Class 3 milk was lower. June milk down 4 cents, 24.38 a hundredweight. July milk down 38 cents at 24.57 a hundred. The cotton market put in a lower close. USDA's latest supply and demand report, mostly neutral for the cotton market. Very little changes. USDA left domestic carryout at 2.9 million bales. That's unchanged from the May report. They lowered world stocks by just a tiny tick, down 50,000 bales to 82.77 million. So with the report being neutral, the market drifted lower on Friday. July cotton down 145 points, 145.06. October cotton down 201 at 130.06. December cotton down 257 to close the week at 122.36. The corn market closed slightly higher. USDA's main change in the balance sheet was a 50 million bushel reduction in the export estimate for old crop corn. They put U.S. ending corn stocks at 1.485 billion bushels. New crop ending stocks were increased to 1.4 billion bushels. However, that's the second lowest in nine years. We close with July corn up a quarter penny, 773 and a quarter. September corn up three and a half, seven thirty-two and three quarters. December corn up three and three quarters at seven twenty and a half. The supply and demand report mostly neutral for the wheat market. Kansas City wheat finishing higher on Friday. Chicago wheat narrowly mixed. July Kansas City wheat up eight and three quarters, eleven sixty-two and a half. Soft wheat in Chicago. July contract down a half penny at 1070 and three quarters. In the energy markets, July natural gas down 19 cents at 877. July crude oil down 98 at 120.53. The financial market sharply lowered Friday afternoon. The Dow down 765 points. 31,522. The NASDAQ down 381 at 11,372. The S&P down 102 points at 3,915. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.